Hello, Voices of Wrestling listener. Dave Ryan here. Have you ever wondered to yourself, how many hidden gems are hidden away inside the last years of World Championship Wrestling? Have you ever asked yourself how many tenuous gags can be made about the name Mike Enos? And have you ever thought about what it sounds like for two Irishmen to interpret a very chaotic company through its B-show? The answers to all this and more are just a click away. Check out Days of Thunder every second Thursday on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. professional wrestling well we like professional wrestling too this is shake them ropes i am jeff hawkins he is chris novembrino chris i am spending the last couple days in a demographic that matters it's fascinating (laughs) in two days i will no longer be of use to any advertiser anywhere 50 Oh, that's not true. There's lots of advertisement made for this demographic. Yes, it's Just on, on different Fox channels. News, yes. <laughs> AARP. Yeah, we'll get there. I don't know. It really didn't hit me until like an hour ago. <laughs> to be honest, with you, just another day. For like my brother's like, "Hey, you doing anything special? Because it's a landmark." But like, no, man. You know, I'm taking the day off work so I can have a three day weekend. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> But it's, it's, you know, it's like, what do you want? I, I want to move out of LA because I don't want to grow old here. That's, that's the other thing. It's like, I am in a, LA is a very weird city. It has a perpetual importing of young 20 somethings, bright eyed and bushy tail waiting to get broken. It's, it's a very odd city where you, you, you see it every month, especially around January and February. The U Hauls are loaded. People are keeping their U-Hauls open because they don't know anything about L.A. I'm just like, I'm done. I don't want to be 60 and living in this city anymore. So, yeah, that's weird. Uh, You're going on a trip. You're going to have fun. Yeah, I'm going to Santa Fe tomorrow. Should be exciting. Should be a lot of fun. (laughs) I have nothing deep to say about my birthday, but other than I thought about quitting podcasting, I'm like, I'm too old to be doing that. No, you thought about quitting podcasting because WWE <laughs> appears to be in a death spiral of narrative decline that, I mean, this story is not going to end Meet well. the new boss, same as the old boss. <laughs> Better hair, though. Uh, no, Great no. mustache. The mustache? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm watching that Raw, and I'm just like, God, this feels like a Vince show. There's absolutely no creativity to it. Preposterous explanations for the moves they are making. I'm going to talk about that Seth Rollins promo because it literally made me angry. And I should get angry watching a show that's dumb. (laughs) We have a new belt, Chris. 
it's great. It's the world heavyweight champion. Oh, we will talk about this uh, in a bit. Top story, also at Raw this weekend, or on Monday, CM Punk. Apparently uh, was at the airport in Orlando, flying to Chicago, met up with some of the WWE wrestlers, decided he'd take a visit to the old stomping grounds. Uh, spoke to some people. Rumor is that he and Miz had a conversation where they squashed beef. Uh, there were some uh, pictures going up, but uh, met up with Hunter, talked for a couple minutes, asked if he could stick around. Hunter said, hey, I got to clear it with Vince McMahon. Moments later, head of security clearing out CM Punk from the building. Now, I can take this a few different ways. I could take this as, hey, yes, WWE is not going to let a guy who sued them in the building to hang around backstage, especially Vince McMahon. If I wanted to take a more optimistic view, it could be, hey, the script wasn't done at 5 p.m. local time, which is a very Vince move. And if you're around, once the script comes back, hey, friends and family, out of there. We need to concentrate on what the show is because we're we're star for time. Uh, on the other side of it, there are people who go, well, CM Punk's obviously doing this for attention or something like that. I had another point of view, brought it up with uh, my co-host on the other show that I do. And he actually brought it up first, so I'll give credit to Paul Fontaine for this one. But if you're in recovery of any sort, they do tell you to go and uh, and try and make amends with the people you wronged, et cetera, et cetera. After a public falling out, as CM Punk had, with just a, a spectacular blow-up, and I've had one of these in, in the environment I was in, in improv. I mean, and, and, you know, you blow up all your friendships and stuff like that. You start to get a little bit retrospective. I don't know if CM Punk's in any sort of recovery or not. I know that he does not do substance abuses, but, you know, there, there's some anger issues with CM Punk, I would say, that maybe he's dealing with in some way. I was thinking, you know, maybe he's just trying in his old age to make amends so he has a home when he's old. And that people will actually care about him when he's old, as opposed to just burning every bridge. I don't know. But uh, any thoughts on CM Punk appearing at Raw? There's obviously a possible tampering thing that, you know, that you'd be scared of, too, if you were WWE, given that Punk is still under contract with AEW. Absolutely. And the news that was out last week that he might be getting some sort of brand split or some be the beneficiary of that in some way, shape, or form. I also viewed this as Vince reasserting himself on Hunter. Oh, okay. Punk goes to talk to Hunter, and then when Hunter has to ask permission from Vince, Vince tells him no. Yeah. Just reminding everybody who's in charge of who here. That's actually a very good point that I hadn't thought of because everybody was talking about, oh, you know, Punk and Hunter don't get along. Yeah, but he might have been trying to squash that one too if he was trying to make amends with people. Not necessarily for a job, but just, you know, for his own. Maybe he's at that age where it's just like, dude, why was I fighting over this stupid crap? Yeah, I, I, I could see him wanting to squash the beef. Absolutely. I could too. Speaking of the supposed brand split, Having a summit, apparently, or in some way he was acting as an intermediary, CM Punk and Chris Jericho apparently met this week. Um, 
I am thinking we are going full speed with this uh, CM Punk on a second show. I believe Jericho is going to be a part of that. I believe Jericho will be the person who's, who is kind of a go-between between the CM Punk show and the other show. He's obviously got the ear of Tony in many, many ways. Um, I am not going to say that the elite beef is squashed at all. I don't expect it to be necessarily. I could see him trying, but uh, any random thoughts on just the room that Punk and Jericho have met, according to the Wrestling Observer? Chris Jericho always finds a way to attach himself to something, doesn't he? <laughs> well, I viewed him, I, I've said this on the show before, I, I, I view him creatively as kind of how Jim Cornette always viewed Triple H uh, economically. Jim Cornette always said Triple H wasn't the star. He was always the guy who attached himself to the star so that his legacy would be bigger. Jericho, to me, he's not uh, hes not the next big thing, but he's always going to try and attach himself to the next big thing so he remains relevant. Like I could, I could, I think my joke was I could see Jericho going to Tony's office and go, you know what, I could show that Vikingo guy a thing or two. Oh, absolutely. And who could forget <laughs> the world championship reign of action Andretti? <laughs> yeah um but remember punk and jericho had uh had some issues when punk went on his instagram and called him a stooge which is somewhat true if you're gonna look at it that way but yeah i i, I you know uh, god we, i mean jericho really theater is... politics is so crappy dude <laughs> You know, whether or not Punk said it or not, let's not, it's worth Oh, no, he did say it. It was on his Instagram. No, 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 I know know he said it. I'm just saying, let's not mince words here. Jericho's definitely a stooge. Like, that's kind of of who he is. (laughs) How dare you? What's Dave's number? No. (laughs) Uh, In other interesting news, Mercedes Monet apparently has an extension with New Japan and Bushy, Bushy Road. Uh, some some conflicts about it. It was reported this weekend that there was an extension to her deal, but uh, Fightful Select was told by members of her team that as of now, that only covers the May New Japan show in the United States, which is in Long Beach in May. Sources they spoke to in New Japan weren't so sure how long the deal ran, but they did say they weren't matches scheduled in Japan for, quote-unquote, at least a while. It is rumored that her contract is up next month. But yeah, she will be doing the uh, New Japan show here in Long Beach. They announced a mini tournament with Willow Nightingale and a couple of other wrestlers. Um, I am going to be interested because the Walter period in Long Beach has been kind of New Japan's home when they were doing, you know, test shows for the U.S. market. But it's been the law of diminishing returns the last few times. Um, but if uh, Mercedes Monet helps them get a sellout, here in Los Angeles. I'm thinking both companies have to start bidding for her. Yeah. Uh, I think both do. I think if you're AEW, you want to get this conversation going fast. Make her a really attractive offer. They could really use her right now. Yeah. um, They need some star power there, definitely. Uh, Per Annalise Gilbert and Mike Leonard of Bloomberg Law, a lawsuit was filed in U.S. District Court for Eastern District of New York on Monday by former writer Brittany 
Abrahams. Abrahams, who is black, was hired by WWE as a writer for Raw on Friday Night SmackDown in 2020. Among the complaints alleged by Abrahams in the lawsuit were the use of racial and gender stereotypes in scripts, including one that instructed Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair to say, quote, uh-uh, don't make me take off my earrings and beat your ass. Another call for Apollo Crews to talk with a stereotypical and exaggerated Nigerian accent. She said her complaints were rebuffed. According to Gilbert and Leonard, Abrahams also alleged she was subjected to, quote-unquote, to a number of racist pitches about after complaining, with some ideas pitched on a Slack thread that Vince and Stephanie McMahon were included on. Some of the ideas posed in the thread by other writers per Abraham's complaint include having a black male wrestler dress in drag, and on a separate occasion, one wrestler allegedly proposed giving a Muslim wrestler a secret that would, would reveal that they were, quote, behind the 9-11 attacks. I'll let you go first on this one. All right, so the black wrestler in drag has to be our truth and it's probably for the 24-7 time. Uh, I believe it was uh, the original pitch for Reggie before he became a uh, sommelier. Oh, criminy. Uh, yeah, or well, Sol- I think I said that right. No, no, no you said that right. No, he okay. was he's a Somalia. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just I have a hard time looking at a quality character like Commander as is as anything <laughs> that deals in racist tropes. I'm going to have an unpopular take. So stop me here. If I get a little bit too over my skis. And it comes in a couple of certain parts. Number one, have you watched wrestling in the last 40 years? No offense. But it deal, especially in WWE, it deals in the dumbest of these tropes. Number two is one that I'm shaky on. And, and let me know if I'm wrong here. I am one of those people. Look, you people know, and if you've listened to this show for any length of time, I've I've had cups of coffees in actual writer's rooms. There was a lawsuit back in 2003, I think it was, by a writer's assistant from Friends who alleged harassment um, and also racism in that writer's room because of pitches and because her pitches for more inclusivity were were rebuffed. And a judge threw out it, but it, it was very interesting the way that the Hollywood community took it. And basically, Hollywood's take by the Writers Guild, by the Producers Guild, by big-time showrunners and stuff like that who filed an amicus brief, basically said that what happens in the writer's room is sacred, and you can't... You don't want anybody with the ability to chill artistic expression. Now, I understand that wrestling is a very white, sometimes offensive world. I'm not I'm not totally on board with the writer's room as Sankris is saying, but I kind of am very close to there. Because if you've worked in a creative environment, And Lord knows, compared to the former stories by WWE writers where you'd make a pitch and Vince would spend 10 minutes telling you how you've ruined the business and set it back for 20 years, it almost sounds tame in some ways to just make stupid pitches. But in brainstorming, you have to make stupid pitches. 
to find good ones usually. Now, I'm not saying, oh, do you mean people just go in there and say, hey, let's make a clan wrestler? No, I am not. I'm not going that far. I'm saying, yes, people should control themselves and whatnot. I am also saying that writers, gigs, and this is coming from actual television type stuff, they lock you in a room for 12 hours, they feed you, and eventually you go a little stir crazy and you start talking shit about like the cast and the crew. And that's what happened with this friends lawsuit is that they were pitching just ridiculous things. Like <laughs> the most, the most gross one that I remember was uh, uh, putting twigs in a part of the female anatomy type of a thing and making that a story type thing, which of course immediately got rejected but it's just people throwing out ideas and blowing off steam and things like that and i i kind of agree with my hollywood brethren on it and and like this amicus brief gets a little bit ridiculous because they use examples like well you don't want a janitor who to be able to shut down a production of the vagina monologues that's actually an example that they used i understand that she is upset she's also claimed that she was fired for racial reasons um you know, if 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 that part can be found to be true in Discovery, I'm good with that. But the whole part about the the pitching ideas, especially in this company, which is just oh, that's the other thing is they found that that uh, in in the the judge at least throughout the lawsuit in California said that because Friends deals with adult situations and sexual situations and things like that, that sexual pitches that might make a writer's assistant uncomfortable, et cetera. Uh, would be considered fair game and would not constitute harassment per se, because that's part of the deal. And I think if WWE used that same strategy about certain stereotypes, and hey, there are racial storylines in here. They could convince a judge to throw this thing out. Um, yeah. I don't think, I don't leave. think it's a great case. It's not a great case to me. No, I, Unless nope. there's something I don't know about that's in her in her file about this, but these are just the most high profile examples. I mean, like if she has an email with like somebody, okay, I, I can I can parse this a little bit. If the racial remarks were being made towards her, yes, definitely take them for all they're worth. If it was just bad pitches that were stupid and racially insensitive, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm. It's it's very tricky. It's like it is because because she's still uh, an audience to it all. She's still an audience to it all, and I, I want to be real nuanced on my I'm thoughts on. Uh, well, like, I know. So you're gonna just step on mine. That's how you're no, gonna no, nuance. No, 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 no that's no, how no. you're gonna nuance your thoughts, Jeffrey. No, I'm not. That's not the way we nuance our thoughts here on Shake Them Ropes. <laughs> that's that we've never been like that. No, and I was you, just saying. You know that. that. I thought mine you were nuanced, that. but I'm not sure if they are. So go okay. ahead. Okay. All right. So like. In terms of a hostile workplace environment, I just think like there is a different standard for an office place versus, let's say, a strip club, right? Um, what constitutes a hostile work environment in a strip club? It's going to be a little bit more of a gray area than an office. Pro wrestling, not obviously a strip club, but like I'm kind of with you. It has always had this sort of lowest common denominator aspect to it that I think does come with the territory. Now, that being said, some of these ideas, like let's assume that all of these ideas were legitimate ideas. They are both lazy and bad ideas. And let's not 
mince words here. The Apollo Cruz angle was it was horrible. Racist. It was yeah. racist and horrible and stupid. Like I, I mean, and and the way they just sort of like dropped it and pivoted it out really made the whole thing unbelievably like cheap and cheap and trite. Uh, and they, you know, we've talked often about the questionable way they have scripted our truth in the past. Yes. Uh, the, the heel clicking and all that sort of stuff. Uh, <laughs> I yeah. forgot about that. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, like it, it, it's, this is the thing. I if think, it makes it in the script, I think she has, I mean, and right. And, and some does, of these, yeah. and some of these did I, yes. that that's, that's where like, judge nova i think I, I i think i would side with her um if if i'm making a rule I, it would depend on like the terms or whatever but like yeah okay vince is probably run is running a toxic work environment like i, I think that like there's oh, a, yeah there's a, there's a pretty clear case for that um i'm just not sure that especially like in, in, <laughs> in, i'm not sure in a real world court she can win on that yeah I'm also like, if there's something in there where it's like writers are going, Hey, let's tweak so-and-so and keep pitching these terrible things. Yeah. You have a case, you know, if somebody's like, well, we need to think of something for Mansoor right now. Oh, I don't know. Let's just say he, he's, he's irresponsibly taking credit for nine 11. He's using nine 11 to pick up chicks. That was the angle. That's the angle. Yeah. I, I mean, that's it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. It's like, but it's just a pitch and it was rejected. That's the other thing. It's like, it's not like it made it into the script. And then they said, no, no, we got to cut that I guess time. here's my thought. It says something about the culture that the filter doesn't kick in that that script or that pitch is so shithouse that it's not even worth voicing. Well, we don't know if that guy was yelled at for making it a, such a dumb pitch either. It's a, <laughs> Well, so, let's just, let's just assume that the Nigerian one actually getting over emboldened him. I'm just imagining like someone like me in the writers' room. If somebody said that, I go, no, nah, let's not, let's not make it that obvious. Let's give it to Angel Garza. Let's make it. Let's give it to him. I, that, that would that would actually be way funnier. Angel Garza goes, you know what? I was the guy behind 9 11. I was the mastermind. Really? Yeah. Didn't know that, did you? I'm not going to go any further with that bit because then I get in a lot of trouble. Wait, aren't you 25? <laughs> yeah, you know, I was a baby and uh, had a lot of anger issues. It was online a lot back in those days. <laughs> you know. Found a bulletin board that got me on, on the, the boards. Internet. Yeah, on the on the internet 1.0. It was a dark time. <laughs> you know, Usenet was still available. I could go there. Yeah, I. I it, it's it's difficult because I like to, I like to think that I I would I would uh, I would defend creative freedom and not find a way to do that. But on the other hand, I'm just like, hey, don't be a jerk. Don't be racially insensitive, even though that's what the boss wants. That's the other thing. Is like if you can prove that Vince McMahon only wanted to hear those types of pitches, type of a thing, because that was his wheelhouse. I think you might have a case. Right. That that's there's a lot of circumstantial stuff yes. in this story. There's a couple of pieces missing, but like I'm with you. If you could find some sort of thing of like that's a shitty idea, but 
Here, keep them coming. You know, Vince these does- were the ideas that the people at the top were telling us that they accept, and they weren't accepting our other ones. And the proof is that this line about that we kept on pitching to Bianca eventually made it in, or right, she kept right. rejecting it. And yeah, you could you can make a case here. I, I, I'm I'm actually been moved to think it's a little bit stronger, but Discovery is going to be a. Uh, they're never going to give up anything about internal communications. And I don't know if you're going to be cynical. Is this the kind of lawsuit that it's just looking for a settlement? Cause I think WWE is going to settle this. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't mean this doesn't strike me as a lawsuit that at least on the face of it, from everything I'm seeing is trying to like do a grand expose right. of WWE here. Right. Um, okay. And yes, I, I, I'm not getting that vibe off of it, but yeah, no, I, I do think if you could get any sort of, somewhat positive reinforcement off some of even the bad ideas like okay that's too far but anything like that eh, you see you you don't need much to start making a much stronger case here that there's like a a a culture of it i'm i'm just amazed that they were gonna (laughs) that somebody pitched a story to use 9-11 to pick up chicks not using 9-11 to pick up chicks it's a von wagner story you let me tell you who I am. My father was a Beverly <laughs> brother. Also, I was the orchestrator of yeah. 9-11. <laughs> wait, what wait? Huh? <laughs> That's his next big secret. Oh dear lord. You guys are laughing about 9-11? No, we're laughing yeah. about the pitch. Stop it. Jeez. Like, where do you possibly take that? Yeah. It's like such a bad step to, to one. Me, to me, that entire pitch meeting ends. It's probably a Zoom call since it's 2020. The Slack chat goes dead silent, and somebody types, What the F did you just say? <laughs> and and that guy is staring at his computer. They knowing WWE. They probably require you to have your camera on to make sure you're you're really engaged with this pitch session right now. And that guy, that guy has a choice to make. <laughs> He's going, well, I can try and explain this. Or I could pull a Jeffrey Tubin. <laughs> Those are your two choices. I can either make this far worse or I can try and explain myself. I just it it boggles the mind what the end game could possibly be for that sort of angle. I don't know. They pitched Heidenreich as a Nazi at one time. This this company it's like it's like you almost want to sit down the poor writer and this poor girl had probably just was like, I'm trying to get a job writing. Oh, that's a television show. Is wrestling any good? Let's watch. Oh, I remember the rock, and I remember, you know, the attitude era. And then you sit her down and you go. All right, here's Saba Simba. Here's here's El Matador. Here's here's Roddy Piper painting half his face black to do a program with Bad News Brown. Was it Bad News Brown that he did that with? Yeah, yeah, it was Bad News Brown. You start you start showing her that stuff, and then she never wants to write for wrestling again, and she saves herself this trouble. Uh, That's (sighs) that's why I brought up the, the room. That's why I brought up the comparison earlier of like the strip club just as like a, a, a construction 
not like as a direct one-to-one yeah. comparison. Yeah. You look at TNA back when they were TNA and all the stuff they used to do with the knockouts division. If you went there, there's sexism on TNA. (laughs) It's almost hard to get that sentence out without immediately laughing. Dude, that would be interesting. If she wins and they settle, do you start seeing these coming out of the woodwork? Like, oh boy. Because it's precedent, then. Yeah. I don't think she has a chance because, due to artistic expression. I think, really, a court's going to not find in her favor in, unless they can find something. And I, I don't, I don't, th- if it ever got to that point, they'd, WWE would settle before. And actually, you know what? That's the other reason they might settle is that they don't get precedent. Right. Right. That the, they, they're, they might actually be a little bit worried about Much that. Much like Fox Dominion. You know, that's that's one of the reasons they settled was so that a precedent wasn't established. Mm. One of them. Uh, uh, Tony Khan versus Purpo Speaks in the back of my mind. Mm. Tony Khan announcing uh, the next uh, Owen, Owen tournament for AEW. Matches will be on that Canadian tour, some of which at Forbidden Door 2. Especially interesting since Owen did do some time in Japan. Yeah, it, Tony was once again warm and dynamic in his delivery here, and I'm excited to see what this Owen Cup has for us. There are two trains of thought, and this is just reckless speculation. I'm hoping they don't repeat Adam Cole and Britt Baker, but I'm thinking they might due to the reality show. That is Jeff Jarrett as his former tag partner. <laughs> Which would drive people nuts. I don't... Chris, I, I, I was hanging out. I'm going to tell you a little bit of the story. I was hanging out in two Discord rooms during Dynamite. I was hanging out in the one for Voices of Wrestling. Not not the, the writers, but the fans of Voices of Wrestling. And I was hanging out in another one. The other one loved that Dax FTR, or Dax Jeff Jarrett match. Thought it was a lot of fun. Voices won. <laughs> Why are we subjected to Jeff Jarrett? And FTR bald. Oh my god! You know, just just the <laughs> the pearl clutching was amazing. And if they gave Jeff Jarrett the win here, I know we would probably take it as a nice gesture, but people would go ape about it. Yeah, um, I, the win was a little bit perplexing just because you're reestablishing FTR. Yeah, but I liked the match. I thought it was fun for what it was. News and notes about talent. I'll read four of them. Um, one of them probably will go into the Lazy River a bit, but uh, Trinity Fatu, I believe, made her debut on Impact tonight. I'm not positive of that, or it might be next week. I'm not sure about that. Madcap Moss on uh, the WWE website has been uh, lost the Madcap name and has gone back to Riddick Moss. Sol Ruka, as we saw in NXT, is being written out for a while. She has a torn ACL. Mm. And Ronnie Strong is with AEW, which was an amazing debut that nobody had that secret out by the time it was there. But uh, we can go into Roddy during the Lazy River. Any of the other three that uh, catch your fancy? I mean, they've got this Riddick and Emma heel thing going. It is what it is. I am excited for Trinity Fatu. <laughs> Trinity Fatu, uh, the former Naomi, 
is uh is a pure product of wwe i believe i believe the training center and stuff i know she went through a season of nxt as well but when it was a t- reality show i believe season three but they got some good female wrestlers over there in impact they got diana perrazzo they got jordan grace um i think there's some potential for uh, because I view Trinity Fatu much like people talk about some people as system quarterbacks. I think she's very good in the WWE system of a couple of high spots, great entrance, you know, get the crowd pump type thing. I'm interested to see her in an actual kind of wrestling company. And I think this would be a nice way to test those waters. I, I really am interested to see what she does here. I am too. Um, I'm hopeful that she can kind of figure out the outside of WWE style. I'm not going to use like indie style or whatever, like just outside of WWE style. Yeah. And do something so that she, if she decides to, let's say go to AEW doesn't end up like Soraya where that woman's searching for a clue right now. Still. since we're already getting into lazy river territory, that's something that always gets me about Soraya. Cause she's from a wrestling family, not a WWE family, a wrestling, wrestling family. family. I know. And you know, she was touted and touted and touted. And then she came into NXT and she came into WWE and fans, mostly of the United kingdom variety. were always making excuses. In the early days of my show where I was like, okay, whatever. Oh, no. Once she gets an opponent, then you'll see. Then you'll see what she could do. And I watched her on the indie. She was very, very good. I've seen some of her old stuff. Even when, like, Becky, the, the future Becky Lynch was was out with injury and just being her, like, second or third with, with that whole uh, thing. But it's one of those things where I think she spent so much time in the WWE system at such a young age that I think she just kind of morphed into that system. Because, I mean, she had those matches with AJ Lee and everybody blamed AJ for them being bad. But I've never really, I mean, other than the one match with Emma in NXT, I'm sure there's probably one I'm forgetting, but she never really blew me away in terms of having a great match. I always thought she was a great presence. I thought she had great, you know, promo ability, but I never really, you know, you never saw anything like, a Bailey Sasha out of, out of, out of Soraya slash. I can't remember her name now. Page page. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've just not been dazzled by her. I think I'm more hopeful that Trinity Fatu can figure it out in her post WWE career. Yep. Okay. Lazy river. No sponsor today. Um, Anything we watched, anything we saw, uh, past or present? Do you want to start with the conversation yeah, we had this last This belt week? sucks. Oh, this belt sucks. We can go with that then. Yes, we will go with that. Yes. This new title belt sucks. Tell us more about the title, Chris. So there's a new belt. It's the World Heavyweight Championship. And if you're confused, that's forgivable because there's the WWE Heavyweight Championship. And there's also the Universal Heavyweight Championship. So and now, now there's, there's a world. So there's a world, there's the universe, and there's a WWE. And this belt 
basically serves as a consolation MacGuffin for everyone involved in the 2022-2023 Great MacGuffin Chase of WrestleMania. And I think the most likely person to end up with this MacGuffin is none other than Roman Reigns when it is all said and done. I think that we have trifurcated the belt. That's an excellent word, by the way. Thank you. And the only way for this to end is for the belt to be reunified. Yes. There's there's three ways this can go, and none of them are good. It's either Cody gets this title as his consolation prize, Brock gets this title as his consolation prize, and Cody beats him for that to then go to Roman to unify them, or Roman ends up with all three belts. That's That's it. That's the list. And if this is their grand idea for somehow getting out of that corner they painted themselves into when they should have had Cody beat Roman, this sucks. I'm sorry. This This sucks. This is such a terrible... And and what made me angry was the justification in storyline of Seth Rollins. Uh, I I thought you were going to say the Reigns was in a position where he no longer needs to frequently defend his title. Like actually saying that in storyline. Yes, that was, was no, that was ridiculous too. That was ridiculous too, but I'm, I'm going for the, we don't need part-timers and a belt that doesn't, that's not about part-timers and politics. All right. Let's think about this for a second. The, the part-timer part was because, Roman had leukemia (laughs) and occasionally needs to take breaks for treatments and things of that nature. The politics part has never been a story on television. And you know why you have three hours of television on Monday and two hours of television on Friday. So you can tell the stories on television. That's why kids. And they've never said anything about Roman politicking his way out of defending the title. Cody Rhodes won the Royal Rumble. He won the right to fight him. <laughs> the other thing is, hey, you know what? Roman's beaten every guy you've put in front of him. He hasn't run away from it. He hasn't said no thank you. He has, and he's put stipulations on the matches that have been adhered to. Now, you may not like the stipulations, but if you don't like the stipulations, then have one of your authority figures then make a match with Roman where the stipulation is waived or where Brock Lesnar can get out of the stipulation. But this just screams to me, well, we need we need a hook somehow. <laughs> as, as former Shake Them Robes guest Brian O'Connell said, this looks like a giant class ring on a belt. And the storyline is so contrived and effing ridiculous that none of these guys fighting for this title look good in the absence of Roman Reigns, who has beaten everybody. Roman Reigns has, has now officially cleaned out the division, so to speak, and, and has moved on, and he has both titles, and you're just making a belt to make a belt that makes all these guys look stupid for wanting it. Yeah. Uh, so, like, if... You know, we get around to Royal Rumble time, right? And somebody wins the Royal Rumble. They get to choose from one of the three belts now. They have, like, three adventures they can choose from. Four if you include the NXT title. 
<laughs> oh, that's true. You can theoretically challenge for the NXT one as well. No, this is, they should just call this a super continental title. That's all this is. <laughs> you know what they should call this? They should call this guy. We really don't want to put on top title. That's, that's what right. they should call this. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You get a display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, you know, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network what's going on guys this is rich from the flagship podcast here on the voice of wrestling podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell, all three-in-one, offering you triple security. So you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door. But it's not just for security. The Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. 
keyless entry. No more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking. Again, 0.3 seconds, it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock. And with the AI self-learning chip embedded, the more you use it, the more accurate it will be. Also, no battery anxiety. You have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out. Uh, Passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2K clear sight. See who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They are on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the Eufy video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, one second doors unlocked much much easier so if you want to jump on board with eufy video lock search eufy video lock that is e u f y video lock again that's eufy video lock e u f y video lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door In the meantime, title. This is actually how they treated the last thing they called the World Heavyweight Championship. Yes. C. Dolph Ziggler. C. Dolph Ziggler. Yes, there, there was, there was the, uh, there was the title belt that mattered, and then there was a world title that didn't matter, and that would go from show to show depending on what Vince thought the the hotter show was. It would usually the the hotter belt would usually always be on Raw until everybody started complaining that hey you're forcing this guy down our throat and he's far too powerful and oh by the way you're neglecting your second show to serve the other masters and Fox is mad so we're gonna put that guy on on SmackDown which is how Roman got on SmackDown in the first place. It's just everything about this feels like a repeat of things that didn't work before. Yeah, no, this is, to me, waving the white flag of we don't know what to do. Nothing says we don't know what to do more than needing to come up with this new prop. And I was told we were only in the second inning at the WrestleMania post-game conferences by one Roman Reigns. No, we're, this bloodline story, we're only in the second inning. Well, yeah, this is going to end with Roman Reigns being like the Ultimo Dragon with all the Jade Crown titles. Man, and somehow as a baby face, because that's the whole point of this is to then make him the biggest baby face this company has ever had, right? Or are we just <laughs> is he gonna retire a heel and go to Hollywood? That would be awesome. He re- he never turns baby face. He again. never turns baby face because he can't figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> so he just I I yeah. 
I, I I'm watching this and I'm and I'm as a writer, I'm trying to think, okay, here's the plot points, here's what we're gonna do. I'm sure they have a thought. And I'm sure it somehow involves either Cody or Rome. It probably involves Brock with this other belt, <laughs> along with Roman as a two-man power trip going up against Cody, who's trying to take all the titles away from them. Uh, that I mean, and that... then they do the Jericho thing where he beats both guys in a night, but he's still not the star of the division or something. You could have a scenario where, I guess, Brock wins the world heavyweight title, and then Roman and Brock, I guess, become tag team champions as well. Oh, I think they're get, I think they're getting the tag titles. I do. I think there's going to be a three way between Sammy and uh, Sammy and Kevin, the Usos, and this two man power crew. And eventually, because they because on Friday, I think the Usos are going to lose this match that they dedicated to Roman. Now Roman's mad. So he's going to get a pick partner he can trust, which will be either. Actually, it might be solo. Now that I think about it. Yeah, that, that, right. I could see Roman wanting a belt solo to yeah. reward him. The street champion. But I thought solo might be going after one of the other belts, like Gunther's or something like that. I don't know. It just, it feels like there's a story there. It just feels like, yeah, we're just going to mark time until we figure out that we should make Cody the star to see what he has as a star. Right, we, that we should have done Cody as him back at WrestleMania. Yeah. It's it's just impossible to defend that WrestleMania finish now. They had no idea what they were doing. Yeah. They just swerved to swerve to swerve. It it was the M. Night Shyamalan WrestleMania. <laughs> I see dead crowds. Um. <laughs> Let me uh, let me go through um, dynamite a little bit here, because overall I liked the show. I did. I enjoyed the show. They have kind of an opposite problem here, but same at the same time, because their scripting of things. This show was ridiculous. If you're looking at it as, we need to build stories, and we can only use one trope at a time. Because I think this is the problem with AEW right now for me is that I think it's being run by a lot of people who watched the Monday Night Wars. And the thing the Monday Night Wars did compared to regular wrestling television up to that point is it gave you all the pay-per-view quality matches in like a two-hour show, three-hour show if you count Nitro. And so what happened was every week you get a screw job finish. And you get interference and you'd get, you know, a beatdown. And what happened on this AEW Dynamite is you had three different beatdowns by three different groups. You had three different matches that had interference. You have these things that need to be used for quote unquote main event matches and in big moments. And you're using them week after week. Like you had, you had MJF and Sammy beat up Darby and, and Jack, and boy, we'll go into that, I think, in a little bit. You had the Jericho Appreciation Society beat up Adam Cole and uh, Orange Cassidy and Bandito. And then you had the Blackpool Combat Club with their beatdown. When you really just needed one beatdown and for it to be an important beatdown. And you had it now on all three levels of your heels. You had the low card heel, the middle card heel, and the top card heel. You did the same thing with interference. You had the Sanjay Dutt thing, and, and you had uh, 
yet MJF. So you had two levels of heels doing that, and it makes none of these important, where you should be spacing these things out, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess I was a little less enamored with this show than you were. Uh, the okay. qu- quote-unquote main event angle. I'm sorry, Kenny Omega and Takeshka versus Butcher and Blade. That's an end-of-first-hour angle. Like, that's just not a main event level match. Oh, and that's another one with interference with Butcher and Blade's uh, uh, second. Uh, uh, the bunny? Well, no, 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 not the bunny. Uh, Kip Sabian. Oh, Kip Sabian. Doing springboard backflips onto Kenny Omega. It's like nobody thinks the Butcher and Blade are winning this necessarily. And if you were going to do that, you'd make him toughen up. But no, I, I get your point. Continue. Yeah, so I thought that was a bad main event angle, but like I guess you're doing that because you don't really have faith in Jade Cargill versus Taya Valkyrie because why would you? How long does this Jade Cargill aspirational title reign need to go on before we realize that there's nothing to aspire to? She is what she is. Um, I was baffled by this end spot too with Taya lifting up Aubrey Edwards uh, for the Jaded or... uh, was it was it her finishing move or was it uh, was it her finishing move or was it Cargill's? I don't remember. They're the but... same. Oh, that's right. They're the same. Yeah, that's the whole point. I'm an idiot. I was waiting for that one. No, I I can forgive that because I think that's a double turn. I think I think this is going to lead to Taya joining the Outcasts, and I think it's probably going to lead to Jade becoming a heater in that fight for the for the originals. I think this is where we get the Jade. Now we get the Jade undefeated babyface run, which will probably go 50 more things until they figure out what heel can take it off of her. They don't sign Mercedes. So the the, the babyface run's going to be a disaster because she can't sell. No. But you know what? I liked that match uh, once it got going, I think. I I think it started rough, but it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. I'm not gonna give it five stars or anything. It wasn't bandito like I wasn't bandito Orange Cassidy or uh or even I, I liked I liked the Dax Jeff one. That thing was so southern and had you, you know, not for nothing. Like looking looking at this card again, it's like Bandito and Orange Cassidy really should have been the main event. Yeah, but they like the hot opener and they like getting the crowd going with Orange Cassidy. That's, that's I, well movie. and yes, and and the elite like to be in the main event angle, whether or not they're doing something that merits being in the main event angle or not. See, that's weird because it's the most compelling story. I get it, but MJF should be the main event. The moral title should be your main event as opposed to the close of hour one, you know, with, with with the Sammy, uh, the Sammy Darby match really should, really should have closed the show. If that's the, the push for the main event, at uh at double or nothing it, and your world title should be the most important the problem is <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to swerve into my next uh lazy river point so i'm just gonna stop there i'll let you if you're gonna take it you can take it but it's your turn i'm sorry i mean i guess on the mjf thing it, he is moving into this roman reigns sort of schedule of how often he's actually gonna wrestle and but he he said that on TV, though. I mean, at least it's I know, part I know, of the story. I know. I, it is part of the story. It, I'm not denying that. It, right. it it's just making for a very slow world title picture, even with this match building up. I am more angry at that promo with Jungle Boy and Darby. Mm. 
because I thought they were fixing things. I thought, okay, great. They got all the feedback that that talking segment last week was absolute garbage and undercut both guys with Chris doing some very good mockery of you're just a terrible skateboarder, all that. Okay. It's like, okay, cool. They learned that. And then Darby goes back in with a, yeah, but I'd beat you if we were fighting. <laughs> just no. Why is Darby such a prick here? And why is Jungle Boy such a prick here? Why are these two guys that we're supposed to like? Why can't they just be about the competition and get the title and just have begrudging respect? They don't have to and, like each and, other. And, and realize that they are in a situation with MJF and Sammy who have struck a deal that they need to rise above petty differences over. Well, see, that's the thing. And they're going to do this. And this is total. When we complain about them stealing from sports entertainment, you're getting that moment in that tag match that they set up for next week where, oh, can they coexist? Does Darby, oh, he accidentally hit him. Is it going to turn? As opposed to being just two guys who want the world title who are going to be pros? Because that would be the way I would do it. If they're going to do that, I would put away the, the distrust thing and just have these two guys focused and win the match. Right. And it's we move on the to the exact Right. You need to increase the threat to MJF the heel. And this is the mistake they sort of keep making with MJF storylines is that they never put him in meaningful peril. This No, they put this, him in comedy peril. Right. I, I mean, th this four-man match right now is a comedy of errors sort of thing. Like, you know, can MJF really trust Sammy? Is Sammy going to screw over MJF oh, before no. MJF? MGF's... Yeah, before MJ. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Right. Uh, thank you. Um, and <laughs> it, 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 we, we've talked about nuance on this show, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's okay. Like, and then on the other side, are the baby faces going to get it together? It's this comedy of errors thing. Whereas it should all be three guys unrelentingly focused on killing MJF mm -hmm. and like laser focused on that. Like M the the last several weeks should have been MJF trying to tempt each one of these guys, and each one of them like basically being like, "I don't like Darby, I don't like Sammy, I want to beat you, and I don't. I can deal with these guys after when I'm champion." Yes, it should all be about the relationship with and, MJF. Every and everybody's laser focused on that. Like yeah. MJF basically going into this pay per view should be sweating bullets because he has not, these three guys don't like each other, but they've all agreed to put aside all of that before this match, like to basically just stay laser focused on keeping the pressure on MJF. Because I think they're going to go the coward route again next week. I think what's going to happen is MJF's going to attack Sammy for the DQ or something like that to try and get out of it. So we're going to do, we have three weeks. We don't need the fatal four way right away. We could have just, we could have had the beat down by Blackpool combat club this week. And then next week had done Darby and jungle or not Darby and jungle, Boy, but Darby and Sammy. And, you know, you kind of go back and forth and that way you're not putting every story and the next beat there. And so you don't get beat down uh, promo beat down type of thing which happened Wednesday um yeah I I I just don't know I, I I really I like MJF I like the thought of having a heel champion 
But man, this story is killing everybody involved, except maybe Sammy. I really like Sammy a lot. I thought that match was great. I find him a, I liked the move that they separated him from Jericho here so he could be his own guy. Because it's actually, he's the only guy coming out stronger out of this whole thing. Because MJF was already uber powerful. You didn't need him. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm flabbergasted at what they're doing with Jungle Boy and, and, uh, and Darby in this feud. It, it felt like they had Darby Allen in a good place a few weeks ago. Yeah. And that place feels very, very far away now. Your turn, sir. Um, man, let's, I guess, kick it over to spring break in. <laughs> okay. Um, it, it's a show that happened. Uh, <sighs> okay, good. <laughs> so like, no, here's the thing. Tony D'Angelo and Channing Stacks Lorenzo killed people on Tuesday night. Yes. They killed them. Yeah, like like Luca Broxy, like he's dead. He sleeps with the fishes. Yeah, he sleeps with the fishes. That's bad. <laughs> they killed off pretty deadly. Who I assume will be in the draft somehow. But if you want people to then follow the career, you know what'd be funny if they rebrand Pretty Deadly. I could see Vince going, I don't oh, want this gimmick. They could be the seaweed boys. That, that, that no, there'll after, be no continuity. No, no. After getting dropped in the bay, they touched a radioactive spider and they turned into the seaweed boys. No. Guided by an ancient magician. No, of the- <laughs> no, you don't pull the magician crap. I had enough of that this week on the Discord. I don't need magician stuff. Merman, though. <laughs> Who caused 9 11? <laughs> the two mermen. I can see Vince doing that as continuity. I didn't I tell you about going, the magician's backstory. He said, I don't want these two guys as pretty deadly. I want them as something else. What do you want them as? Make them bikers. Make them bikers? Yeah, sure. I, I, like, they were playing foppish before. Now they'll be manly. See if you can play that. Like like the William Regal, he's a real man's man sort of gimmick. <laughs> you know, like the mod squad from <laughs> the Jeffers twins from the 80s. I don't know. that, But, you know, Vince, he's just going to look at, he, he never wants to use things that were built up in NXT. He always wants to come in and put his own panache on it. Pizzazz is what I was saying. I said panache instead. We'll go. No, with I remember the Viking experience. Yes. We don't want them to be war machine. That'll be the Viking experience. (laughs) You know, we've built up Bailey this whole time to be a superstar. Let's bring her up and have her be afraid of kendo sticks. (laughs) Yeah, it's just it's amazing that they do all this work on developmental. And the guy in charge now, because of the way things have gone down, is the one guy who doesn't pay any attention to that developmental territory. And then he gets these toys and he's like, 
Uh, I gotta change them. Don't want them to be part of the past. Let's draft Roxanne Perez and make her a heel. That'll be a good idea. I'm just I'm I'm flabbergasted, but yeah, but yes, they killed they killed people on NXT. Yeah. They're dead. Oh, they'll come back as zombies. Oh, pretty zombie. Pretty zombies. I like that. That's fun. A lot of people like Walking Dead these days. Yeah. Hey, remember that Miz angle we did with zombies? That was a good angle. People like that. Let's call that back. The zombie referee could come back into the play. Yes. Could be that their was, manager. That was, oh, that would be fun. Or the referee. And you know what? Vince being political. <laughs> no, well, if they, this if is they, a DEI initiative. So you, you know. have the zombie and like the zombie like referee doesn't call the matches down the middle. Kind of like bad referee Nick Patrick only is a zombie. You know how they used a. Uh... <laughs> Controlled by a necromancer. What was his uh, Antifa group again? Retribution. Retribution. Uh, was yeah, it was retribution. Yes. Retribution. The zombies are gonna use it some sort of human resources commentary. These zombies here—they don't feel that they get enough representation on TV. Mm. Mm. Also, they and, and these zombies—and they're here to take over. They're here to take over and cause chaos and all they that. They cause stuff. chaos and eat but they, brains. But they've gone through the human resources department and feel that there's not enough zombie representation on TV. They'll get angry at this lawsuit. They'll just start making terrible racial illusions and stuff. I was baffled that Keanu James and Brooks Jensen didn't win the match. Were you? Yeah, because I just kind of thought, like, let's commit to the heel turn of Brooks Jensen. Yeah, that was like a three-week storyline that just, or like a, actually like almost like a three-month storyline that wrapped up in a week. Yeah. I mean, I think they did a good job with Kiana James as a cheater across the board. Like she like cheated in her matches and like cheated in her relationships. Yeah. And like, yeah. Like, I mean that, that was, you know, that part was actually done fairly well, but like Brooks Jensen should be a heel coming out of this. Yes. I mean, this is an eighties movie. This is what can't buy me love. He becomes a jerk. He has to go through being a jerk for a while until he has like, until he realizes what he's done to his friends. And he should have some success as a jerk first. Yes, exactly. He should have success as a jerk before family. And no, instead, back to being a virgin. Yeah. Loser with a better no. wardrobe. I guess, but he'll probably switch out of that again, too. Yeah, probably. Like, I, it, I don't know. It, it, pointless. You know what? He's going to get pity sex now. Mm-hmm. Oh, from uh, oh, like he'll actually fall in love with uh, Fallon Henley. That's and that's, that's and that yeah. Oh, and that'll be the breakup of the team <laughs> because Josh Briggs will be actually in love. Because Josh Fallon. Briggs is secretly in love with Fallon. Mm. Mm. Oh, oh, this is taking a turn for the suck because we're it, booking it. Mm. It's gonna it's gonna happen. I'm I'm willing it to power. Um, and then Indy Art will speaking of willing to power like. Good honor for finishing this match, but you know, you know, it, wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't a great match. No, no, and th- there were spots by all three of them that were just. You look at this and go, just have him wrestle instead of doing the choreography, please. At some point, you just want. Some point, I want Tiffany Stratton just turn around, and just throw a punch at somebody, just to see what would happen. Yeah, I mean, the Andre Chase match went down like we thought it would. 
the Grayson Waller match had to go home early because of an injury to Grayson Waller on that uh, rolling stunner of his, which is a shame because I like both those guys and I probably I might have brought up Carmelo for the draft and and made Grayson champ. Or the I mean, if Grayson gets drafted here, great. He's a better Austin Theory, as we've been saying. But yeah. I'm, I, have, I have no real other comments on, on I don't either. It, it's, it's Carmelo Hayes' uh, title reign is not off to a great start yet. But uh, do we have anything on AEW to circle back on? Not that I can think of. Okay, then I have I have a suggestion here. Because I actually, at the end of our show last week, after we were talking, after we stopped recording, mm-hmm. uh, we talked a little bit about Public Enemy. Mm, public Enemy. And I went and I. I've been re- I was rewatching some mid '90s ECW when they were really getting pushed by Paul Heyman, and we both kind of made the point that because of Heyman's pushing of Public Enemy, that I think people got the wrong idea of them as a tag team in both WWE and WCW. Do you remember this conversation? Yes, no, I, I do. I'm actually I'm pulling up a public enemy video right now, and I'm watching as we're talking. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I, I think they thought they were supposed to be like world beating killer tag team, and I, like I watched their debut on Nitro, and God bless Marcus Bagwell for for. Do, do you do you remember their Nitro debut at all? Uh n- no. Who did oh, they debut against? They debuted against the American Males. Okay. Okay. And they they went to do that table. They went to do a, the double table spot that they used to do in ECW. And remember those tables? The, the tables that they use are the kind that you find in some like old hotels and old buildings, really thick kind, as opposed to the kind of the thin ones that you had in ECW type of a thing. Now they were pre-sawed and stuff, but that still wasn't a fun bump to take from them. Um, God. Speaking of not fun bumps to take, I am watching Public Enemy get killed by the Acolytes right now. Oh, God. You know, they took liberties with those two. Dude, Bradshaw just, like, smashes Johnny Grunge here with his chair, like, four or five times until it bends. And then slams him into the stairs, like, face into the corner of the stairs. Now he's, like, clotheslining Rocco Rock, like, and again... Right up at the neck. Right up at the neck. Like, uh, these, these guys just, like, got murdered, dude. What people don't understand, I think, is, is in, in ECW, at least, before they became big baby faces, they were there for the cheap heat. They were these old white guys <laughs> who were pretending to be street thugs and talking in rap lyrics and coming out to rap and it was supposed to be that kind of gimmick where you're not supposed to be doing that. You're making fun of culture, et cetera, et cetera. And then because of the, um, I mean, they, they, they were, they were doing the heel trickster type thing. So they were also kind of a comedy act. And then because of their hardcore spots and things like doing moonsaults through tables when nobody was on them, they became beloved by that audience in a ironic sort of way. And became, you know, oh man, you got to see this Public Enemy Act type of thing. It became very popular across the internet. And they got, and the buzz was enough for WCW, who was signing everybody at the time, to bring them in. 
And then when they got cut by them, because it was like, I, they didn't get the gimmick. They thought they were supposed to be a good tag team or a monster tag team. And they were just, you know, they're guys who hit people with stuff for the most part. I mean, they're okay. I mean, they, they weren't mm. bad wrestlers. They just weren't work rate guys. No, I, I mean, like the, the sellings, you know, there. Like, the, and that's, that's the other thing is the selling is what got them everywhere. It's like, you know, you watch the powers or not the powers of pain, but the, uh, Faces of fear. Uh, faces of fear destroy them for a while. You know, that was their job, kind of. I think everybody was expecting them to be like title contenders when they were brought in. But then WWE brings them in. And of course, WWE's locker room are full of jerks at that point who doesn't want anything to do with anybody from WCW. And so you have the Dudleys. Yeah, well, not the Dudleys taking liberties, but definitely the Acolytes. God, I mean, this Acolytes match is disgusting and, and jbl just really like of course jbl of course it's JBL. of course because yeah, yeah, ron no. simmons at least knew public enemy from ecw because he right he, he, no the, there there are a few times where like simmons is hitting you know rocco rock with like just the table and no jbl is getting in extra shots on the way out here because jbl was a jerk this whole yeah, time i mean dude he's the he's such a piece of crap like i mean th- like th- there's it, it's cruel to do this to a job guy when you know that this guy can't fight back. You know that rock, you know that grunge and rock like cannot fight back in this scenario. Oh, okay. I just had something from SmackDown from last week pop in my head. So I'm end with that. You want to talk about bad scripting, Chris? I, I know you probably, did you watch SmackDown at all? No. Okay. Uh, they had a women's tag match on there. Uh, where uh, it it was it was Car- not Carmella. Uh, Green or uh, the, the Chelsea Green and Sonia Deville against Raquel and Liv. And there was a spot last week, I guess, where uh they poured water on Liv Morgan, and she got angry. Chris. This is really their first title defense. They cheated to win. <laughs> and they're supposed to be the baby faces. They did a spot where Liv had, had the pin and Raquel put a leg on her for leverage. And they got the pin against Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville, who aren't title contenders. No. Really? No. And this is how they're scripting their baby faces. And I, I'm like... There are times where baby faces can do a heel move and get a nice pop and it's a release for the audience who are tired of watching them getting screwed after and screwed and screwed and screwed or being dummies or whatever. That time is not your first title defense as babyface tag champs. I was absolutely gobsmacked by this. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, 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 Are you uh, taking it in? Is that? <laughs> I, I'm also watching Public Enemy against the Gangsters right now. Oh, that was fun. Yeah, no, I look Johnny Grunge. Johnny Grunge's got the crowd going. Uh, like Public Enemy, better, better than I think people wanted to give him credit yeah. for. Um, it's just brawlers, yeah. Liv and Raquel. I'm look. Uh, it's it's weird to think that like right now. 
I, I was gonna say Shawn Michaels is women's division the best booked women's division. I don't even know if that's mm. true. Yeah, I know. If, I if know. you want to watch something fun, by the way, uh, and you've never seen it, watch New Jack's promos in Smoky Mountain, <laughs> where he is angry at all these Southern white people he has to be in front of to wrestle, and then you realize that that right at the right time, Jim Cornette said, "Hey, Paul Heyman." I know we don't like each other, but these guys have way too much nuclear heat here <laughs> where we're afraid for their safety. Can you do something with the gangsters? And Paul Heyman came and said, yes, yes, I can. And and I think the gangsters found their niche in ECW. I know Mustafa would have much rather, I think, done other wrestling than that. And that's why they had such issues there. But um yeah, that whole gangsters, eliminators, public enemy, and I think the Harris brothers are thrown in there towards the end or in the beginning. Uh, fun, fun time for some brawling tag team action. Yeah. Uh, we got anything else? Here? No, we don't. We can get no, out. No, no, that's all. That's all I got, man. You can follow me at Crap Game Thirteen. You can follow Chris on Instagram at docTOR underscore nov. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes, all one word. We are part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Uh, I am on the Fight Game Media Network on their Patreon, patreon.com slash fightgamemedia. Every Wednesday, about 15 minutes after Dynamite, myself and Paul Fontaine tape, record, whatever you want to call it. The Dynamite Show, which is a thorough, thorough deconstruction of Dynamite and all things AEW over the week. Five bucks a month will get you that. Chris has other side projects as well. He will tell you about them now. Yeah, I'm still teaching guitar lessons. Uh, getting pretty full up right now, actually. Uh, but hit me up on Instagram at Instagram.com slash Dr. D-O-C-T-O-R underscore N-O-V, Dr. Nov, to uh, get scheduled for lessons. My band, Hondo Coyote, a, a uh, we are a nominated band now, Jeffrey. Uh, I didn't even I didn't even talk about this. This is such a big deal. I've been just like choked up. Like it's it's hard to believe, really. Um, That's what me, you're nominated for. Let me tell you, it, it, we are we being nominated in both the country and western category uh, for um, it is the New Mexico Entertainment Awards first round nominee. Uh, so it's Hooks and the Huckleberries. Silver String Band, Kyle Martin, Time Wreckers, Squash Blossom Boys, and Hondo Coyote. Um, this is this is a big deal. I think uh, I think if we make it out of the first round here, it's pretty much a lock. And is there any that, place that people can vote on this? Not that I'm aware of. I was actually <laughs> no, I was speaking to Dio earlier about Ronnie James how, Dio. No, the front man Dio of 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 the band Hondo Coyote, <laughs> and I asked him, "What is the scoring system like? How does this work? Are they coming to see us?" And Dio said that there's a woman who runs it, and she's in her mid forties, and she has a secret panel. And so I was like, "You're telling me that this is like a like a secret society sort of thing," and apparently it is. So. There's nothing anyone can do. Um, your attempts to protest the New Mexico Entertainment Awards will fall on deaf ears. But think about Hondo Coyote and what it would mean to you if we made it out of the first round. 
Do you like wrestling trivia? Then check out the five-star match game, the Pro Wrestling Quiz Show. I'm Joe Gagne, and every episode, I grill three contestants with five rounds of power-packed wrestling trivia. We have over 30 evergreen episodes in the archives covering WWE, AEW, Japan, Mexico, and much, 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 much more. Play along at home and check it out today.